Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinal podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner and of the NFL. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. I'm Johnny Venerable, joined as always by Saul Bookman and the returning Cheerson Sussell, both of you in studio. I am here Woo! producing this show in a flawless capacity, but how are both <laughs> of you on this Wednesday afternoon? Not too bad. Not too bad. I just learned what a sun joy is today. Yeah, we were just um, looking up why our producer, Jacob, would order a sun joy from Chick-fil-A. And we realized that it's an actual thing. It's technically an Arnold Palmer, but uh, it combines two of Chick-fil-A's favorite drinks and two of their favorite words, sunshine and joy. So they renamed it uh, sun joy. And that's an actual thing. Very fancy. Uh, you know, Jacob's kind of an old soul. You would think he would go by Arnold Palmer because that's an old people drink. But I don't know. Where where did I go wrong, Johnny? Where did I go wrong? <laughs> you know, I thought I hired a group of individuals that had like a lot of youth, a lot of enthusiasm. And they're yeah. like the two oldest young guys in the world in Espo and Jacob. I don't know where I went wrong. It's unfortunate for you. I, you know, I drink my kids Capri Sun, so I can't really speak on whatever the hell is going on there. Uh, but I would like to talk about... Uh, something different. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, mainly. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald has been relatively quiet for the better part of the last three months, uh, so much so that, Cheerson, you and I talked at nauseum during the season. Could he come back? Is he leaving the door open to potentially return to the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, I think that door is completely closed. If you were hoping for a 1% return, that is all done now uh, via ESPN. Josh Weinfuss, in fact, he got an exclusive with Larry Fitzgerald stating that he is officially done with football. Uh, Larry was quoted in saying, I had a great run. It was fun. and We didn't change anything. I wish I could have delivered more for the Valley in terms of a winning a championship. But that's water under the bridge. For me, hearing those words like officially from Fitz, like that hurts not only the retirement piece, even though he's not saying the R word. But like I'm so, like apologizing to the valley, like Larry, it wasn't your fault. But I mean, what do you guys make of those comments? Well, I mean, first, listen. If Larry Fitzgerald is going to apologize to us, then the Cardinals need to apologize for us for giving Fitz the quarterbacks that they gave him over the course of his career. Like yeah. it just sometimes pro sports are just not fair. Um, there's been plenty of athletes out there that have never won a championship, unfortunately. That 
fully deserve to win a championship. Charles Barkley and Fitz and Nash are the three that immediately come to mind. Um, and Fitz has no room to apologize to anybody. He doesn't need to. Uh, and, and yeah, you're right. Those words tell me that it's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. You know, at yeah. the Waste Management Open last week, you know, Scene uh, uh, McLaughlin had said uh, he's not retiring. He's recharging or something yeah. like that. And Fitz kind of like smirked and kind of laughed about it and walked off. Uh, and I don't know in that moment, I was like, yeah, it, it's over. There, there's, there's nothing there. There's been a ton of moments, including when he's gone on certain like broadcasts and things like that, where he said things where it's like, okay, it's definitely over. At one point he said he wasn't in football shape that alluded to the fact that he wasn't staying in football shape. There was no potential, uh, return at any point, probably maybe at the very beginning of the season, but that we were hanging on to false hope for sure <laughs> throughout the season. I mean, I definitely feel like he thinks, uh, he, you know, he wishes that he could have, you know, won a title for, for Arizona. I just want to know this doesn't, I, I would love to know more about his decision And I guess he doesn't owe anything to anybody, but why handle it the way that he did? And I'm not knocking it. It is, it's, he, he could handle it however he wants to, but why even when he's doing a retirement piece, not even say the word retire or why I want to know why he, he didn't want to have any sort of a, a retirement celebration of any kind whatsoever. And just, you know, just fly under the radar the whole time. I think, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, he never wanted to be a distraction. And I feel like, you know, a large portion of the last couple of seasons was always people asking him, are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? Are you going to retire? So instead of having to answer those questions, he just disappeared. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, like he could have retired in the off season and it would have just been, I mean, he's what distracting what? Like he retired. I mean, the off season, it's not, there's not a game next week. Like we're in the off season after the season ended, or even I think he was still questioning whether or not he wanted to play like well into like at least training camp. And so at, at any point, though, in the offseason, before the season started, he could have retired. We, everybody could have talked about it, had your week, had your two weeks of talking about it. And not that Larry is, you know, worth just two weeks of talking about, but eventually the news cycle would, you know, continue on and the season would start and, and the actual games itself would be, you know, what's making news and not Larry Fitzgerald because he already retired. But I don't think he cared about that. I just no. I legitimately don't think he cared about that. Well, I always compared him to Tim Duncan, who like had like a three line press release. And I always thought that's how Larry would do it. I didn't think we'd get this big grand gesture or even a press conference from the organization. I do think that he might have been leaving the door open to, to potentially play in this fall. And that's why he took his time and didn't say anything. I could be wrong. He could come out and say, I knew the minute the 2020 season was over, I was not coming back. It just it's a little bit weird that we went through the entire offseason, the Cardinals were like, we're holding a spot for him, and and he didn't say one way or the other what his plans were. I think he was maybe waiting for an opportunity to come back, and it just never felt right to him. And he's like, I'm going to ride this out. I'm not going to retire during the season. To your point, here's going to be a distraction or to distract from the team's success, especially. I mean, the team got off to such a hot start. Him coming back would have only served as a distraction. Uh, you know, even when Hopkins got hurt, like the ship had firmly sailed. I think for the time for him to potentially come back, if there was an injury in training camp or, or in, even in the preseason. But to me, I, I think he was wavering on it. And now he's to Saul's points like, OK, I'm just kind of going to go off into the ether. I'm not going to retire from, you know, business. And I've got other things I want to accomplish. But Pickleball. I mean, it's clear 
football is is in his rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean, again, like I think, I think from a fan's perspective, and kind of what Cheerston was, uh, you know, alluding to is we all want closure, some type of closure, right? Just tell us, tell us it's over, like just somehow, some way, tell us it's over, and and I don't think we're ever going to get that from Fitz. I feel like right. this is it, like uh, unless somehow, some way. He gets to like June or July. Is like, you know what? I feel really, really good right now. I think I could go out there and and play a little bit. Like maybe, but I just, you're right. I think it's over, um, and it's okay that it's over. You know, it, it, again, we've seen this week how people handle um, news, uh, you know, in different manners. Yes, very good point. <laughs> and and uh, Fitz has kind of done the opposite of yeah. what the norm has been, and he's just alluded to just do his own thing and. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's his way, and it's and he deserves to, to to make his own call and however he wants to deal with this. And I think what Larry wants to do is fine. And I how wonder. He it. I wonder if at any point though he will look back and feel like, man, I wish I would have just done this for the fans, or if he feels like I've done enough. I went out there every single day of my career. I went out yeah. there, gave it my all, gave it my all in every single game, and I don't feel like I owe anyone anything or if he will look back and say you know what I, it would have been special to me and i know it would have been special to the fans if i would have done a little bit more susan in the chat saying all we want is larry to say i am done i think this was it i think this article he did not say i'm retired from pro football but he said i had a great run it was fun i wouldn't change anything um and he always said he was going to play for one team and he stuck by that i mean there were opportunities during the season for him to go to tampa bay and join Tom Brady, especially after everything that happened with Antonio Brown and they lost Chris Godwin, they needed receivers. And for him not to go join Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and, and Tom Brady, that to me was the icing on the cake. Like he, he is firm in his decision, confident in his decision. And, you know, he had his kind of his on and again, off again podcast during the season. And he's got business ventures that he wants to explore. Saul, you had an interesting point this morning when we talked about his eligibility for the Hall of Fame. And I tried to find an answer as it relates to that. And what I'm specifying is, do you have to turn in your retirement papers officially to the league to be eligible? Because you have to be out of the game for five years. And Larry, you would think, although with the Hall of Fame voters, you never know these days, but to be eligible, this is what it says. To be eligible for the Hall of Fame nomination process, a player or coach must have been retired for at least five years. Now, I do think that can be retroactive. Like if he turned in his retirement papers like next year at some point, say, I didn't play last year, no one's going to hold that against him. But do you both you feel like he's a first ballot Hall of Famer or will get in, I guess, is the better question, first ballot? Bro, if he's no not, <laughs> if he's not, I don't know who is. T.O. Like, wasn't, and Tory Holt has, Joe, can't get listen, in. Listen, T.O. didn't get in on the first ballot because he was kind of an asshole. Mm -hmm. And people do hold that against you. Larry yep. Fitzgerald was not only one of the best receivers of all time and on the on the statistical list number 2 in a lot of those categories behind possibly the greatest receiver of all time in in, in Jerry Rice yeah. but he was also the NFL man of the year and mm -hmm. that's what makes him that's what takes him like Johnny if you ever mention TO and Fitz in the same fucking sentence again I'm going to lose my shit <laughs> that should never ever happen because TO should have been a first ballot hall of famer so that's he, my maybe, argument maybe maybe on paper but Fitz is in another level he's on a stratospheric level that TO will never understand or know, know anything about it, it, listen his contributions to the community his demeanor 
the way he was always about a, about team first, the fact that he stuck with his organization, despite the fact that there was plenty of opportunities for him to leave, the mm-hmm. quarterbacks that he had to play with, and despite all of that stuff, he was still the greatest receiver of all time. And I'm going to say he's the greatest receiver of all time because of two things. Number one, he had crappy quarterbacks to play with. You don't like Max Hall? No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, not a Max Hall guy. Like, he stuck it out. Number two... And I think it's probably more important. Jerry Rice played with the best of the best mm-hmm. and changed jump ship several times yeah. to go find other opportunities. Had like, his stats late in his career. Exactly. Fitz didn't have to do that. And he didn't care to do that. In his last season, you know, you can't say it was a, a statistical blowout because he, he, you know, he barely moved the numbers at all, but he still stayed true to this team because he thought. I think we have a chance to win a championship. And unfortunately, it just never came to fruition outside of 2009. My argument was not he was not a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's will the voters vote vote him in on the first try because of what we've seen with other receivers. Go ahead, Cherson. Uh, I was just going to say that I wholeheartedly agree with everything Saul just said. There was one more point about the retirement thing that I wanted to just say. And I don't want to like get anyone's hopes up or anything like this, but there is uh, a, an incident during last off season where Larry was golfing with one of the best athletes of all time and was asking him about how did you know when you wanted to retire and his response to Larry about that, which included a little bit of regret. And if he was capable of still playing, he would return because he felt that regret till this day which made Larry rehire his training staff and get back into shape. And I wonder if there is still any amount of thinking, like maybe at some point I'll get back to it or not. I know for now he's officially retired, but I know this one of the best athletes of all time said this to him and he really took it to heart. And that was probably one of the reasons why he took so long to even Mm -hmm. make any sort of a decision and prolonged it because he was, he was really having a difficult time with figuring out like deep inside of me. Am I like, like, how do I really feel about this? Is this something that I'm going to regret for the rest of my career retiring too early? uh, Or is it time to hang up, hang it up? So I don't know, maybe in two years, he'll just decide uh, because I don't think it was like a a necessarily like a physical thing. Like my body can't take it anymore. I think it was more so like mentally, spiritually, how am I feeling about this? And um, so, yeah, I'm, Interesting stuff. I'll say the unpopular thing. I don't think, I think his body was at the point where it looked like at least in 2020 is probably, probably time to be done. He had minimal yards after catchability. He could still catch the football, but after he caught the ball, I mean, that's why, why a lot of people are like, move him to tight end, let him play tight end. Yeah. But that was all absurd. I, I just don't want to watch Larry Fitzgerald gut it out there at a very compromised version of what he could be. Now he did have COVID in 2020. And I think that that played a factor. He was Kyler Murray's leading receiver in 2019, his rookie year. A um, couple comments here. Uh, first Donnell, he basically said the Cardinals were lucky to have uh, Fitzgerald uh, as a diehard New York sports fan. We wish the Giants or the Jets had a receiver like that. We got a nice consolation prize in Eli Manning in that same draft who won two Super Bowls. But I agree, both their, both their passing games, especially right now, are uh, pretty brutal. Uh, Eric is asking, could he ever play for another team next season? I, I don't think so. 
He could. He has that option. Yes, for sure. He's but, a free. Like, he was a free agent last year. He wasn't under contract. He? I don't know. The other thing that I think we we also kind of minimize to a degree, or actually, we we just don't really talk about it much, is to be in the NFL and to be in professional sports, really, as a as a whole. There's a. It's an environment. It's a. It's a certain mindset that you have to be in and be ready for on a day to day basis. The social media, the atmosphere in within the organization. The, the atmosphere within the entire NFL or NBA or, or Major League Baseball, there's a lot that you have to deal with on a constant basis. Um, and, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we talk about the on-the-field stuff, but all the off-the-field off obligations uh, that the organization asks of you, like all that takes a toll, you know? And when you're looking at Fitz out there on the golf course, out in like, you know, Atlanta or Florida with – a bunch of other golf guys and having a good time. And you can see why it's like, it's just a big deep breath. And yeah. so if there was any hope that he was going to come back is that that rejuvenated him, you know, refreshed his mind. And he was like, you know what? I want to give it one more run, but he's not coming back to, to the Cardinals or any other team for that matter. It's over. Unless they have a legitimate possibility of winning a championship. And right now, um, you, that would just you'd be taking a, a major flyer on the fact that the Cardinals could possibly win the championship next year. I like this comment from Jose. Uh, why does he need to say anything? He's earned it. Be safe, Mr. Fitzgerald. Those who say he will play for another team clearly don't know Larry Fitzgerald. I like the first part about that because that sounds eerily similar to a situation we've had going on over the past five to seven days with another Arizona Cardinal who we've been asking, does he even need to say anything? Um, so there are folks in both camps, I will say, that feel like, oh, put out a statement, uh, Kyler Murray or Larry Fitzgerald, and then those who are let, let the performance on the field speak for itself. So you guys uh, were arguing that he didn't need to put out a statement? I said he did. There were a lot of people, Cheerson, who thought he did not need to respond. When your name oh, is you getting dragged that? through the I mud. No. I said he could squash this if he just says something. Okay, good. I was like, all right, one of you two. I, I, I said, I said he doesn't owe it to anybody, but it would help his situation it would if help, he did, yeah. for sure. We don't need to get into all that. No, yeah. no, no. We, we don't need to. Need to. Listen need back to. to the other seven podcasts about that. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, best of luck to Larry Fitzgerald. I hope he does get some kind of ceremony at the stadium when and if they feel it's appropriate. Of course, get his name up in the rafters. But for now, we wait. And in the meantime, Hoop fans, he should have a off. statue. Yes. Next to Tillman statue. Statue. They have Pat Tillman yeah. out there for obvious reasons, very warranted. But Larry Fitzgerald, in my estimation, is the greatest Arizona Cardinal of all time. Yeah. I don't even think that's a debate. He's the greatest player in Cardinal football franchise history dating back to St. Louis and Chicago. It's and I don't, I don't know how you cannot have a statue of him sitting outside State Farm. Even the Cardinals can't screw that up. All right. Quickly here, uh, Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team, get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays, can buy multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. Of course, the more legs you add, the more money you can win. Unfortunately, you couldn't bet on Larry Fitzgerald's retirement odds this year. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use that promo code PHNX and bet just $1 on any NBA team. And again, get $150 
in free bets if they win. Promo code PHNX, 21 and over. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for more details. Well, let's talk about maybe uh, an addition rather than a subtraction. Larry Fitzgerald, ESPN put out an article. They have their top 50 free agents, right? And there are several Cardinals on that list. And then there are some not so Cardinals on that list. And could some of these players end up in Arizona? It was their top 50 best fits in free agency. And there are a couple of interesting topics that I wanted to discuss with both of you. So here it is, ESPN's top 50 best free agent fits. This is free agency kicks off a month from today. March 16th is when the whole shebang kicks off. As we know, Chandler Jones, James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Christian Kirk, they're all set to be free agents. These are the ones, these are the notable ones that have made the top 50 list. Chandler Jones, they said best fit would be to go back to the Patriots. J.C. Jackson, one of the best corners in the NFL, leaving the Patriots for the Cardinals. Hassan Reddick staying with Carolina. And then I thought this was interesting. Christian Kirk makes the top 50 going to Detroit. So, Cheerson, Saul, when you look at this, what stands out to you? Uh, I mean, Chandler Jones going back to the Patriots would be something, but the one that sticks out the most is Christian Kirk going to the Lions. Don't do that to him. Is anybody <laughs> really a good fit for the Lions? Don't do that to him. He's going to do it to himself if that happens. He's going to get his money, man. They, they got some money. They're going to throw it around this offseason. I guess. I, I mean, I guess it's the only reason that you would go there. But Oh, man. <laughs> I, listen, if it was to stay here or pay me a million dollars to live in Detroit, yeah, I'm staying here. I'm not going to Detroit. What? There's no way, no way, not happening. Um, the J.C. Jackson thing, a lot of people are running with that. They're like, well, the Cardinals need a corner, throw a bunch of money at this guy. Number one, I know the Chandler Jones situation is an outlier when Bill Belichick doesn't want a player. I don't want said player, especially at, like in free agency. I don't want to overpay for a corner. I think what the Cardinals had at corner before Robert Alford got hurt and, and Marco Wilson hit a rookie wall was fine. I am not in the business of losing a key front seven player, especially with how soft the Cardinals got at the end of the year and substituting a high profile cornerback. Like yeah. could the Cardinals use JC Jackson? Of course, but giving him 40, $50 million in, in not guarantees, but in the length of his deal, averaging like 15, $16 million a season. I can't stomach that for this team that has so many other holes in other areas. Especially for a draft that is deep at the edge. Yeah, like, like I, I just I, I agree with you. Listen, the front seven on both sides of the ball, or the front seven on the defense, and then obviously the the offensive the line. offensive line needs the most help out of anything on this team because they got obliterated in the playoffs. It, Kyler didn't have time to throw. They couldn't no. put enough of a pass rush on Matthew Stafford. They couldn't really put enough of a pass rush down the stretch of the season when they were losing every other game. It, it seemed like so. Uh, JC Jackson would be a nice piece. Eight interceptions last year. Cool. That was nice. But again, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about that life. I really am not. Yeah. Seems I would like say it all comes down to Go what ahead, you're Jason. willing to pay. I wouldn't be willing to pay that either. And it, it comes down with, you know, the same thing with Chandler Jones. I feel like I would like to see him stay, but he, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to get that deal done for what he wants. Listen, Chandler sure. Jones tweeted out today about who had the number one, pass rush in the, in the league. And I was like, well, it wasn't the Cardinals. Like I, I sure you, you might've found a, a stat that backed that up, 
But like I was, I actually went to an article today on ESPN. It was talking about the top team pass rush win rates, which means like it, the, the times a defensive line was able to beat the offensive lineman in less than two and a half seconds. The, the Cardinals were 13th in the league at a 41% clip. 13th. That's not anywhere near where I, I would have, I, I wish I, I, this would have broken it down like earlier in the season versus later in the season. Because yeah, the, the Cardinals the later, pass rush win rates were inflated by the start of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say that they were even in the, the lower third of the league by the by the season's end. So um, and go back to the Colts game and watch them try to pressure Carson Wentz with no offensive linemen. They couldn't do it. They, they got were, like everybody else. They got worse. And they were in the bottom third of the league when it came to uh, the team run stop win rate. Um, yeah. With, well, which so factors in a bunch of different things in terms of tackles for loss. Um, uh, you know, stopping a, a, a rusher within three yards within a three yard gain, yeah. uh, things of that nature. And it was just, they weren't a very good defense at the end of the season, not even close. No. So the way that you perceived that tweet was he was trying to elude that the Cardinals had the best pass rush. Cause I couldn't figure it out. I was like, it's not the Cardinals. So, so are you like wanting to look at that in terms of like where you'd want to go next? Cause none of it made any sense. Yeah, yeah. Unless he was talking about going to the Rams. Cause the Rams were the best pass rush in the league. It it is, if you watch the end of the year, like I don't care what the metrics say, the Rams had the best pass rush. That's in part because they had the best player in the NFL. I, I've got an article right now, gophnx.com, of a shameless plug about Chandler Jones and the decision that Steve Kime's going to have to make here in the next calendar month about opting to franchise tag, extend him. And really, they're in a very difficult situation that they put themselves in, right? So they have not developed an edge rusher of note. Um, you can make an argument for Hassan Reddick, which, by the way, ESPN thinks he's probably a better fit to go back to Carolina. I would tend to agree. But so they bring back Marcus Golden. He's a solid number two. You let Hassan Reddick walk. Chandler's coming off an injury. He wants a new contract last year. They don't give it to him. They make him prove it this year. He sets the world on fire week one against Tennessee. And then it's just kind of OK the rest of the year. He's a solid player. I think in a make-or-break season for Kime and, and, and Kingsbury, you want Chandler Jones back next year. But you also are in a position where if you franchise tag him, it's going to cost you almost $20 million, which means the Cardinals right now have under a million dollars in cap space. Now they're going to cut guys and they'll finagle the cap. You franchise tag Chandler Jones, the rest of your money is gone. You are not re-signing Zach Ertz or James Conner. You have to allocate elsewhere. Okay, so let's say you extend Chandler Jones. Number one, Chandler Jones is not agreeing to a contract before free agency. He will tell you to fuck off if that happens. He <laughs> waited all this all this time. He's going to hit free agency, and he says, get in line with everybody else, right? There are too many teams with deep pockets. The Jacksonvilles that, by the way, have Brenston Buckner there now. Miami's got a ton of money. The Cardinals will have to match any offer, and I'm not even convinced they'll get him back at that rate. So, I would I would say I believe the Cardinals would like him back. I do not think they can afford him. I think he is he is gone at this point. They had had their opportunity to work something out and it just didn't line up. Well, and I think that's okay. I really do because I don't think the value of of what Chandler believes he's going to get on the open market matches the value of what he produces on the field. I just yeah. don't feel yeah. like that anymore. Not at so, this stage. Yeah, you know, a year ago maybe you could convince me and to take a to take a chance and take a gamble, but I'm kind of glad that the the Cardinals actually went this route and wanted to see it on the field. And it, it, it's going to work out for the Cardinals. I, I honestly is believe it, that in the long run. Is it? But is it going to work out for Kime and Cliff next year? 
I agree with you. You don't want to saddle yourself and defer a bunch of money with Chandler Jones into his mid-30s. But for in 2022, whomever they trot out week one opposite Marcus Golden, whether it's Devon Kennard or a first-round rookie who they may not even play or somebody else in free agency, I don't think you're going to be able to manufacture. I mean, Chandler Jones was still their best pass rusher this year. Agreed? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, because... So they- because Watt was out. I mean, Zach Allen, I thought, played a better second and, half of the season. Yeah, than, and Allen played well, than, yeah. Than, uh, than Chandler. So, yeah, it's really hard. Like, the fact that we have to think about that tells you that he's sure. not a premier pass rusher. I, I'm i just trying to put myself in, in, in Kingsbury's shoes. And it's like, okay, well, if we don't have Chandler Jones back next year and our jobs are on the line and we have to win and we want to get to the playoffs and make a run, who are we bringing in? Now, I will say... Even at pick 23, you can bring in rookies and they can have an impact off the edge year one. It better be the right player. The Cardinals have a very difficult time in finding the right player in the draft. But, I mean, there's a reason. Now, ESPN is not as as high on Chandler Jones as, say, Pro Football Focus and some other sites. ESPN has him ranked 16th. Let me pull this up for those who have just hopped back on. So Chandler Jones is 16th on the big free agent board. Uh, J.C. Jackson is 19th. Hassan Reddick is 20th. I would rather have Hassan Reddick. He's younger, and I think he's a better fit for what Vance Joseph does. Christian Kirk is 39. No other Cardinals, by the way, um, made the top 50. No Zach Ertz, no James Conner, no Chase Edmonds. But there are some sides who feel like Chandler Jones is a top five free agent. It's all you and I have talked about that before. I just feel like that that speaks more about this class kind of underwhelming, if anything. It also shocks me that Zach Ertz is is less valued than Christian Kirk. I just that's I, crazy. I don't know what people are seeing in Christian Kirk that would make them believe that he's essentially if you say he's a top 39 player that's a free agent right now, you're yeah. saying that he's definitely a number two receiver somewhere which is in not the league. The case. Which is there's no way. He no. had his best season of his career last year, and and people are you know using that to to you know hang their hat on why, um, you know he's he's such a wanted free agent that he would be in a list like this. Um, but like what he had like five to seven touchdowns, and like that was the best you know the, the best he's ever produced in a career. I feel like he's got a ceiling where he could be a better than what he's shown here with the Cardinals for sure. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy, but I don't think that there's any reason he should be higher on a list than Zach Ertz. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, NFL AZ Cardinals. Did you guys see pro football focus? They put out a top 100. They do this every year, similar to the NFL networks, top 100, no Cardinals on the list, which is, I mean, pro football, pro football focus. They do good work with a grain of salt. Sometimes, um, no Buda Baker, no Rodney Hudson, no Chandler Jones, no Kyler Murray. Hopkins was hurt. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty jarring. I didn't want to be too negative and have that as a segment on the show, but I'm glad they brought this up. I just, to me, I think it speaks to the fact that the Cardinals have not done a good enough job drafting and developing players and getting getting players at the peak of their prime. That's why they go out and they have to trade for you know, Rodney Hudson. And, you know, I love Hopkins, but he's approaching 30. He's already been hurt one year with this team. A.J. Green. I mean, we should be seeing Byron Murphy play his best football next year and Zach Allen, right? And some of these younger players, Christian Kirk, should have been in his peak year this year. And everybody's just kind of okay. 
and okay doesn't get you a second contract, and then the Cardinals have to compensate for it. We're talking again about going and getting another receiver and trading or getting overpaying JC Jackson in free agency. That it's a culmination of just poor drafting in general by this franchise. I would like to see. Uh, I have high hopes for a guy like Zach Allen. I think he made a big step this year in improving his game. And I think, you know, he mentioned that what they did in the off season kind of, kind of coming together as a, as a defensive line and working out together. And then with the addition of JJ Watt, who's had him under his wing the entire time that he's been here, I think you give it another off season. I think that he's going to make tremendous strides heading into this next year. So he's actually one of the most, one of the guys that I'm most excited to see this upcoming season, and and they need him. Uh, it, there was a comment just a minute ago where uh, they had literally just said that I said Zach Allen is is can replace Chandler Jones. Here it is. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. What I said was is that Zach Allen was as equally productive as Chandler Jones in the second half of the season. Now, what you expect Chandler Jones to be is not something Zach Allen can be. I think we at Chandler's peak and Zach Allen's peak, those are two different, those are two different heights. And so you need somebody to come in here and be what you thought Chandler Jones was going to be, a 10 to 15 sack guy, maybe even mm-hmm. more, especially after week one when he had five sacks. Um, you know, a, a, a consistent threat on putting pressure on the quarterback. And there were some games where it just felt like Chandler Jones disappeared. Zach Allen did not do that as as frequently in the second half of the season. So again, Zach Allen can't replace Chandler Jones, but you wouldn't know the difference if you were watching the second half of the season. Good point. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Zach Allen is a player, first pick in the third round 2019 that you can get excited about as somebody who just, is he ever going to make a Pro Bowl, right? We talked about this before. Maybe, probably not, but can he be a five to seven year starter for this team? and be cheap, you know, and maybe get a, a second contract eventually. I think that's that's the hope, right? Cardinals don't have enough players like that, but I am excited about his development. I'm also excited about this. One of our newest releases at GoPHNX, PHNX Merchandise Locker, the Bird Gang T-shirt. It is one of many new releases that we have at GoPHNX.com. Right now, we are running a special on all Phoenix Suns apparel. I believe it's 20% off, but... If you want this Cardinal t-shirt and you want it for free, all you have to do is sign up for a year membership at gophnx.com. It is just under 60 bucks. Not only will you get this t-shirt or whatever t-shirt you want from the merchandise locker, you get all of the exclusive content, the articles from myself, the phenomenal Suns team that is rocking into high gear, heading into the NBA All-Star break, everything that's going on with the Coyotes, Craig Morgan, tons of great stuff. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't also plug this t-shirt, our new Phoenix rising. Look at this. It's a Phoenix rising through the ashes of the fact that we now cover the rising here at PHNX. It's one of my favorite shirts. I don't know a damn thing about soccer. I'll be 100% transparent, but I do love this t-shirt. Oh, I don't know where you get the rising through the ashes part. I don't see any ashes <laughs> That's anywhere. That's kind of rising through. I don't know. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> didn't like didn't like my transition there. That's it, was, fine. It, was, it was a good effort. It was yeah, poor execution. Good effort. And Johnny, all you need to know about Phoenix Rising is they put on an awesome dollar beer night. Very good. Well, we and then from there you can you can watch the team and but I think that's your first step of like getting introduced to them is head out to a dollar beer night. 
head out to Dollar Beer Night, and I w- hopefully we cover those events uh, in the near future. Oh, we that will. That would be a lot of fun for PHNX to be on the scene. Uh, and it just a, you know, I just want to remind everybody too: children five and older are eligible for the COVID nineteen vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID nineteen. The COVID nineteen vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. It's safe, free, and highly effective. And the vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location nearest to you. Okay, I didn't want to leave the show with this today because I was a little bit afraid of the pushback we might get. So we're going to talk about this buried in topic number three, Deshaun Watson. It appears like via ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, he is going to be moved. And it sounds like, and I've always felt this way, Houston's going to get him out of the AFC. And there are two teams supposedly interested. Tampa now with no Tom Brady, they're raising their hands up. Sure, we'll take them on. I mean, they just had Antonio Brown. Let's bring in Deshaun Watson and all of this baggage. And then Minnesota, who has Kirk Cousins under contract, who could be used as a bargaining chip to go back to Houston. And then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Okay, number one, how does Deshaun Watson potentially change the landscape of the NFC now with a lot of the old heads retiring? Brady's gone you know, uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. And also, if things continue to sour with Kyler Murray, I have to pose this question. Should the Cardinals no. pick up the phone and call you? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I do that before before we even see. When I saw the rundown, I was like, oh, there's no way Cheerson's going to listen. He, Wait, is the lawsuit over? No. Okay. This is paying people off. He's, he's, getting, he's getting the checkbook out. This is how this is going to work, right? Deshaun Watson's going to get traded to another organization. And then all of a sudden, either people are going to get paid off or these things are going to kind of go away. But that doesn't change the fact that it happened. And it's out there. And when you bring up Tampa Bay, and I love the thought that Bruce Arians tries to sell people on second chances. Cool. That's great. It's a great for a Hallmark movie. But that soulless organization down there in Tampa could give a shit about second chances all they care about is winning okay so if there was ever a team out there that would take that on it would be the tampa bay bucks i would have said the raiders before but they lost al davis and things have kind of changed a little bit they've had a lot of rocky roads with the henry rugg stuff so they're off the table plus you said not afc possibly going nfc minnesota man i don't it depends. Do they hate Kirk Cousins so much that they're willing to take a flyer on Deshaun or not? I don't know. New but coach, Arizona, new GM that, that that has no ties to Kirk Cousins. I think fresh start. But now, Arizona, do you want to have a fresh start with Deshaun? I don't know. But Arizona will never, ever be in that conversation. It just won't happen. I feel like you have to be in a desperate situation to want to take that on. But you're right. The Bucks would be the perfect organization for this whole second chance rehabilitation type of situation. And I could totally see them trying to sell it as such. And, you know, we're not the bad guys, you know, for taking it, taking him on with the baggage that he has. We're the good guys because we're just trying to help a guy along, set him on the straight path after getting himself into some trouble and oh, that's asleep. the situation what's happening what's that were you falling asleep or were you rolling your eyes back no i i agree with her a million percent <laughs> yes. i'm just like yeah. i'm kind of rolling my eyes because i'm like yeah like we're really gonna spin like we're not talking about one person yeah. we are talking about 
22 plus individuals that are all saying the same thing. And I know there's speculation out there about, well, were they getting paid or the, you know, really the motive of the lawyer itself and their relationship with the Texans and trying to burn Deshaun Watson or what, like 22. Do you know how hard it is to try and coordinate 22 different stories to the cops to the police department, to the lawyer, no. and make sure that it's flawless execution. Like it's almost impossible. So I, I, I used to, you know, I used to be when this first all broke. I was like, well, this relationship between the lawyer and the Houston Texans, that's a little fishy. But then when like person after person after person start coming out, I was like, it, it definitely makes you feel like, oh, this this is valid. This is absolutely yeah. valid. Whether he ever gets punished for it or not. He's already paid the price in one in one shape or form by missing a year of the NFL season, which costs him millions of dollars. But mm-hmm. in the face of public perception, he's never going to recover. He's ne- There's people out there that still, to this day, absolutely hate Michael Vick for what happened yeah. with him and the dogs. Rightfully so. But this, this is sexual assault. Like, mm-hmm. who the F has ever recovered from that to a point where people adore them or want to root them on to such a high level? They shouldn't, but there's going to be people out there that um, that absolutely will. And it's unfortunate because I personally don't think Deshaun Watson should ever play another down in the NFL because well, you should never, ever, ever be able to get away with what he is alleged to have done. And he he has – it's only alleged to have done. I will say that. But Jesus, I mean, if I came in – never mind. I'm not even going to say it. Yeah, but that's what no, I'm saying. No, let's not do hypotheticals. How desperate can you be to want to have that? It's your quarterback. It's not like, you know – I. I your quarterback should be the face of your team. It's not always the case, but for the most part, it is. That's the guy who comes after every game. He's at the podium after every practice you you want. That's, that's the guy. And for, for him to be in a position where he's supposed to be a leader and respected by his teammates, by, you know, hopefully the community, et cetera. Like, I just don't know how that is a win for literally any team. Yeah. You'd have to have a, a, a franchise stable enough to to absorb it. Uh, if, if Ben Roethlisberger's allegations had come out in the, in the age of social media, he would have never played a down of football again. And I think that's probably what this parallels most to. He, those were two instances. But, I mean, you read the articles, it's grotesque. Him taking photos with cops and, like, just they swept that whole thing under the rug. And the state, I think, of, of Pittsburgh was de- depressed or whomever, wherever it took place, the city was was – upset because they didn't have enough evidence to be able to to thoroughly you know press charges and, and you had to pay people off this is this is in the same realm of that but I, there are only so many franchise quarterbacks in the world and this is one that has won a national championship at the college level was immediately productive I mean more I mean he's a better NFL quarterback I believe than Kyler Murray on the field and I before, think that that's before this but, all happened listen like to my core I really believe Deshaun Watson was such a real, he seemed like a really good guy. Like, you know, he won a national championship. Abel said he was the MJ of, of football. Yeah. His demeanor was always solid. Like he said all the right things, did all the right things active in the community. Like we would have all been like proud 
to have him as a member of our franchise. But then you find out the dirty stuff and the dark yeah. side of things, which a lot of athletes have, but this came out at such a time where mm -hmm. the, the height of sensitivity to sexual assault here in America is probably never been higher. And when you get alleged to have done what he has been alleged to do, you don't get away with it. You just don't. It's and unfortunate that we're having this conversation, honestly. Go ahead. In terms of second chances, like, I'm not saying that he should never be able to have a job or a life after this, but I think that it should be somewhat of a privilege to be able to, you know, have a job in the National Football League, and everybody should, um, you know, like, listen, I, I think he should, deserves a, a second chance at having a life uh, and and being able to turn a page I just, I just would never want to see him in the league again. And as like, if I had ch children, I, I wouldn't want, and, and th this, you know, he was playing for my team. I like, and they were like, oh yeah, we want like a Watson Jersey. I'd be like, damn, like hell, if you will ever get one, you know what I mean? I just like it, it, it not 22 instances of it, yeah. alleged instances of it. M Michael uh, Vick, Michael Vick, again, I'm going to use this as the kind of the template because Michael Vick literally grew up in an environment where what he did to those dogs was almost accepted in, yeah, in his region, right? It was yeah. normalized, right? And so to see what he did and then the result of it, Mike, Mike had to go to prison for two years, two years and rehabilitate and do so many things afterwards just to get that second chance in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me Deshaun Watson's not going to have to do that? He's not going to have to spend a single day in prison for any of this, and he's expected to get a second chance somewhere else. There's something fucked up about that. There just is. The fact that he wouldn't even get suspended. Um, there, I mean, people are talking about like a quarter of the season. I would think if you're Roger Goodell – First of all, you, you would have to thoroughly explain to the team that it's trying to acquire him what the repercussions could be. And if a Tampa is still interested, I mean, to have him on your website and, you know, being the the the, the face of your organization, I, it even, you know, I, I say it tongue in cheek with the Kyler trade because there are articles even out there like, well, Kyler is from Texas. Put put him in a Houston Texans jersey that, you know, that's a that's a deal where one of the few deals where. Houston would get a franchise quarterback in return. The Houston Texans, they, they they are out of luck. They will get whatever they can if somebody's willing to offer, or they will get nothing and have to outright release him like once upon a time, to your points, all the Atlanta Falcons did with, with Michael Vick. You just have to outright release him and you move on as an organization. So it is crazy that we are picking up steam to potentially him on a new team in like the next couple of weeks. Which is crazy to me. That is crazy. All right, I'll tell you what isn't crazy. This new <laughs> show we have. Oh, <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> PHNX, the story with Cheerson Susell. And oh, by the way, we have Cheerson on the show today. Cheerson, I hope, one, number one, I hope you're prepared to talk about it. I hope I didn't throw that out of nowhere. But uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> we'd love to hear how everything is going with the new show. What do you got cooking up that we can all look forward to, to seeing and hearing? Yeah, so uh, we are we originally were going to launch at the in April, and I think we're going to move that up. So that's exciting. So we will have content out sooner rather than later, 
Um, I think the big project that we're working on, and we'll continue to tease it for the next couple of months, is just a three-part series on the Coyotes' tenure here in Arizona. Working with Craig Morgan on that, and he has hooked me up with some some big names that we are so fortunate to get to talk with that provide a lot of very interesting insight uh, You know, over the last 25 years that they've been here in Arizona. So I, I'm super pumped about that. That's not going to you know, be launching until uh, the end of April. But in the meantime, we're going to work on some smaller stories and, and get content pumping out for you guys uh, in the next few weeks, starting in March. So just super pumped about that. It takes more work behind the scenes to get something up like that than you would realize. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to see it. If anybody hasn't checked out the in-depth pieces she did on both J.J. Watt and the Pottsville cur- Curse, you can catch that on our GoPHNX YouTube page, as well as on our podcast form, wherever you get your podcast. Jerson, we're so excited. We'll have you back on soon. Uh, for Saul Bookman, myself, we will be back tomorrow, 3 p.m. with our guy, Frank Sanders. I'm sure he'll have an opinion on all of this. And, Thanks and fingers for letting crossed, me join, by the way. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fingers crossed we keep the Kyler news at, at a minimum and only <sighs> keep it football. So but you never know. <laughs> It's so tired. Jason, you, you missed the, the heyday of, of this last week, the Pete Kyler Murray. Man. I know. There, it was like a reality a show. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Jose says, go Suns, suck at Lakers. That's a great way to, to end the show. But again, be sure to like, subscribe, <laughs> leave a five-star review anywhere you get your podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. Any, any, any final thoughts, guys? No, do you need a second to kind of figure out where that end screen is? Because we can buy no. some time for you. <laughs> no, I've got it queued up here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Signing off as host and producer today. So suck it, everyone.